All right, hello and welcome to the Creedcast. Thank you for listening. As always, I do appreciate all the the very few but the very loyal listeners out there. Um, it is appreciated seeing the um, regular downloads um, coming through. Uh, so yeah, it's David here as per usual. Bit of an episode to come up. We've got to talk about a bit about the Geelong game last week. Unfortunately, our fourth loss on the bounce. Um, a bit of chaos again leading into that game. Injuries and all that stuff. Um, illness which seems to be um, carrying through to this week a little bit as well. Some of that bad luck, but hopefully not as bad. Um, obviously, the retro drop was really, really fun to see happen, and, and I'm glad that I've had some help from the, the Port fam and getting my hands on one uh, back there because it dropped in the middle of the night for me, so I couldn't I couldn't get on the online sale. Uh, and then we've got the game uh, this weekend against uh, GWS, which uh, which we will be wearing our retro tri-bolts in, uh, which will be fun to see, but um, there's an in- intriguing game with where GWS have been over the past probably six to seven weeks as a pretty informed side, apart from obviously last week um uh, com- you know uh, which is in stark contrast to our last um uh, you know really well six weeks even though a couple of those were wins um our form hasn't been great since the buy so two teams contrasting fortunes at the moment um obviously we're still sitting relatively comfortable in the top four and it, i think it's just my math was that we're two and a half games ahead of uh fifth place at the moment, um, after last weekend, I think because I think whoever's in fifth has a draw on in their in their which Carlton isn't it they drew the opening match of the season I think, um, or maybe another one, but I think we have one more one more win essentially locks up the double chance, and then we're just fighting to see if we get a home final first off or uh, you know if we're um, uh, going away for that first week, but. We're relatively comfortable in the top four, which is always your first goal of the year, um, is to make top four, and then you figure out your positioning from there. Um, obviously, with where we were after that 13-game win streak, top two was feeling pretty comfortable for a while, and that's fallen away. Um, and, you know, we'd want to sew up that top four spot sooner rather than later, um, rather than, you know, keep dragging this out. So there's a lot on the line this week. Obviously, a win goes a long way to, well, does sew up top four, but then we want to try and get back into that, discussion of having a home final then we need to win as well so there's a lot going on and obviously the one of the probably the bubbling stories of the week has been or well, of the entire season but it's it's now that we're into august it's um a real story now is uh you know the ken, the ken hinckley extension question which is um bubbling away there so i'll spend a few minutes on that i don't want to get into it too much because unfortunately uh it's just a tough one to talk about because People just seem to take militantly take one side or the other, um, and as I've, I've often tried to talk about in here, I try to find you know the nuance in the middle ground is sometimes actually where reality exists. But unfortunately, hot takes and Twitter and X, uh, you know, it, it much more the the kind of landscape and the uh, the society and the and the and the community of those those social media platforms. Um, exists in a realm of hot takes and 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 definitive statements rather than at a discussion so uh until something happens you know i'll have my thoughts on it then i have my thoughts on it now that you know i would prefer to wait until the season's end and really ha- be able to take stock without the pressure of the season ongoing uh, i guess i'm just going to talk about it now before we get into everything else my thing is uh i would like to see the season come to a conclusion figure out where we're at and really take stock and review and figure it out. Now, obviously, the reality is, unfortunately, and look, I that's where I want to be, and I think I think you could do that. But also, there is, you know, the reality is, there's humans behind these things. There's a there's a kind of 
uh, world and you know economy and and all that stuff and 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 world that exists within the AFL bubble that means that you know coaches want job security they want to know where they're going for the next year and they want to know soon because then the, the, you know there's all the the snowball effects of any moves and such like that that happens when you're moving jobs or whatever is that you've got to move family you know move possessions move your life essentially and um you know i can understand ken possibly wants it done now and and the club also wants to know where they're going uh, for next year as well now i guess that go flies in the face of what fans want which is you know and the club wants um is that we we're striving for the ultimate success and you know making a decision now on your coach before you figure out exactly what you know the the promising season it has been with the win streak and some big wins in there some impressive wins and some real strides in the player development of some of our players such as you know butters really coming to his own he's going to be all australian this year uh connor rosie um dan houston i think all three of them are locks for the all australian and if they if they're not then someone's got some explaining to do um yeah, and you know Jason Horn Francis, you know, has been up and down a little bit, but you know he's come in and is, is providing a legitimate um, threat. And certainly last week's game really was, I think, one of the most impressive showings of what we've got with our, our kind of trident of Horn Francis, Butters, and Rosie for the next decade. Uh, hopefully, um, those three really um, had a great game together last week. So there's good things there um, that have happened this year, but. The ultimate thing is, and, you know, I don't... The discussion on how long a coach has been in a club before they get success is always... It, there is credence to that thought and the un- idea that maybe they just don't have it if they haven't done it in that long. You know, there is history of coaches having a long time. You know, I mean, you know, Chris Scott with the uh, Geelong last year, you know, he won one pretty much straight away, but, you know, a lot of the chat was, you know, he's... Um, you know, riding on the coattails of the Bomber Thompson teams, and then he had a long time, and there was discussions of whether he could get it. And you know, there was they flamed out in a few finals, and it were really disappointing. And we had a hand in that for a couple of years there. Um, and then he finally got one. So, but he had the one at the start that kind of gave him a lot of uh, you know leeway. Uh, you know, you know, and that's the thing is like Ken Hinckley came in and um, really took our team by storm after a pretty lean period. Imagine if he'd come into a team that had had that success. Who knows? I'm just spitballing here and just trying to add some levity to it. And then you've got, you know, you've got Dimmer Hardwick, which wasn't nearly as long as Ken's been at the helm, but still, you know, he, he was borderline about to be shunted out the door and just, you know, the way dominoes fall and the cookie crumbles and all those things. Um, he ends up staying and they end up finding their way to success with a really strong finish to the 2017 regular season and then just coasting through on that momentum into the finals and and finally breaking it open in that grand final. Um, Which, who knows? I mean, that was just an impressive Richmond performance, but it was equally an impressive Adelaide performance, Uh, which is... That's that's grand finals uh, most of the time. Okay, I mean, we have the classic grand finals where it's a real slog fest and two teams in a heavyweight battle, but sometimes it can just be that one team doesn't show up on the day, um, as we know well. Uh, all too well. So, yeah, Ken could eventually break through for one, but I think the discussion, I think that what Port fans have vocally, I mean, there's a in the I, I didn't agree with the sticker on the sign last year or whatever it was, um, but I understand the frustrations. 
you know, I, there's, there's ways to go about it. I don't. I, some people on Twitter get a little bit too deep into the woods of really personal attacks and ugly statements and and just and really saying some things that you know just it's it's just not me i'm not gonna you know call them out and say that they're they're bad people because of it it's just not me i just don't i think it's a bit mean-spirited to get that deep into um abuse of someone unless they deserve it um you know some people have done things that mean that they deserve to be publicly ridiculed in a more mean-spirited way um but I don't think Ken Hinckley's done that. If I'm missing something, but if if you, I mean, if your only thing is, he's you just think he hasn't done your club right, and that's just fandom. And um, you know, I think he's, yes, he could be too nice at times or whatever. Whatever your criticism you have, I think he's tried to stand. He's been a good. I think he's a good man. Is what I've always stuck to, um, regardless of. And I also think he's a good coach. Now, whether he's a great coach, whether he's a transcendent coach that can lead us to the promised land, that is the question that we're trying to answer here. Um, and that's why I do, while I disagree with how some people go about... Um, sorry, I usually put my phone on uh, phone and computer, and, you know, it's all linked up because Apple fucking shit. Um, <laughs> I usually put the device on Do Not Disturb, which then does it for my laptop too, and I didn't do that, so... Um, hopefully my buddy doesn't keep texting me right now. Um, I'll grab it and put it on do not disturb in a moment. Um, but yeah, while I, 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 you know, I don't agree with how some of these people go about it, but I do understand their sentiments and their frustrations, and and I'm there with them on that. Now, do it's an interesting one because I do see the good sides of what Ken Hinckley's done at the club. He's got a tight group. Um, there's a lot of players that I've said it before that apparently, you know wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him but then you know coaching's kind of one of those things I mean you know we we had tight we had a good group with Mark Williams for a long time and then you know when things went south and you know Sean Bergwin wanted out and stuff like that like these things can happen and it's not like Ken Hinckley's got a perfect record at keeping players happy here either so and you know all other clubs change coaches and and we get new new coaches in and players come and go and and it's all about actually just the level of the coach and you club culture around that because the club culture is so much more than the coaches well they're a major part of it but um you know there's other factors in that so we can't use that as just a thing because ultimately you have a great group of tight guys that stick around for years and years but don't win something then you know it's fun to have great players you know robbie gray here for his career was great travis spoke here for his career likely um is great um and we hope zach butters and connor rosie and jason Orn francis etc 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 here for their careers but, you know, Robbie Gray retiring without that flag was was painful for a lot of fans. We didn't we he got so close without ever playing in the big dance. You know, three prelims, two of them decided by less than a goal, or one was an, a straight goal, and you know the Hawthorne one less than a goal, and obviously twenty twenty one less said than the better. Um, and of yeah, of course. Sorry, I'm forgetting two thousand and seven, which is you know therapy helps um, forget such things, but. You know, so he's been, you know, three prelims, a grand final and that. You know, it's just, there's a, you know, but in the Ken Hinckley era, it's three prelims. Um, and, it, you know, he uh, he deserves a flag for his greatness. And, you know, he's he's up there. He's, he, he broke through the barriers of, you know, he was somewhat underrated in the AFL for a long time. But then 2014, when he, he kind of blew up on the coaches award and all that stuff. Um, he started, and he's got he's got great respect around the league. He's just an exciting player, and 
but he never he never got to that flag. So we don't want to see that happen with our neck. We've got this promising generational group coming through now in the midfield with Rosie Butters and Horn Francis. We don't want to we don't want to be sitting here in 10, 15 years again having the same discussion, do we? So these are the hard questions that need to be asked, and that's why I think we should be waiting to the end of the season. But I'm not gonna. I will criticise the club for not being a bit tougher if they do go through the contract extension at some point soon and I will not depending and you know if we go through and win the flag in the end then all this discussion will be you know like gone like tears in the rain um, but if we don't you know that that scenario aside there's going to be questions asked after the season there's going to be a lot it's going to be a tough off season again with fans asking questions and, and some of the more vocal fans being really vocal about it and you know, it's not like the club couldn't can't say they didn't know it was there because it's been there for a few years now, and um, certainly last year was really at an all-time high, and the start of this year it was it was there, and it's it's bubbling away again now, and and that's the fickleness of fans. It's like you know the losing streak, everyone shut up after a while, and you even had I even saw some of the most ardent Hinkley out people being like, well, you know, who knows? So, but. We're at a point now that, um, you know, wills and, you know, there's things out of the coaching control and, you know, some people will talk about player management and stuff like that, but, you know, players do, unfortunately, you know, a lot of players go through seasons um, carrying niggling injuries at teams, you know, grand final teams. You know, Michael Wilson couldn't put his arms above his head in 2004. You know, he's taken those marks in the dying stages of that prelim final, like those chest marks. Um he couldn't have taken that above his head because his shoulders were fucked. He had to have both of them reconstructed after that season. I can't remember. It was like both shoulders were absolutely fucked. Um, Brendan Laid was, I think his missus was begging in tears Choco to put him into the grand final side because he had to. He was getting injections in his back for grand final day. You know, players carry things through and sometimes you get lucky with it. And we got lucky in 2004 that a couple of the guys just battled their way through. Um... You know, look at Brisbane on the other side of that. You know, you had Jonathan Brown not, you know, you know Chad Corns punching at his knee in that grand final, and Alistair Lynch deciding he's going to box on with Darrell Wakeland because he can't be fucked anymore because he's too injured. Um, you know, teams battle through with injuries. We've maybe not gotten it quite right, but you know, it's it's sometimes you do gamble a little bit, and players players are part of that too. They say, you know, look, it's, you know, I don't feel a hundred percent, but I think I can play, and they want to play, so. You know, unless other news comes out otherwise, you just have to assume it's just players trying to be gamers and, and do what they can for the side. So that's part of it, and that's sports history in a nutshell, really. So but beyond that, um, yeah, I've waffled on a bit too long about this, really. But, um, yeah, my main point being, I just hope that... I, I know that there's going to be a shitstorm whenever an extension is announced, if it's before the season. Um, it's rubbing my eyes in frustration as I say that. But hopefully, the discourse can be somewhat, you know, in the the main, you know, there's going to be the outsiders that really get vehemently angry about it and and somewhat um, over the line as far as abuse and whatever goes. But hopefully, you know, most people can just, you know, take a backward step and just try to take it with a grain of salt. And maybe, and maybe the, there'll be provisions in the contract extension as well about what we what the club's expecting. Maybe that'll be a little bit of the middle ground of it. I don't know. Who knows? I'm just really waffling on because I am expecting that extension probably to happen and why, And I don't agree with it at the timing, but, you know, I'm trying to... trying to just talk myself into the, the, the fact that... I won't even talk myself into it. I'll be critical. Um, 
but just try to talk myself into just not not being so you know absolutely nuts on the internet about it really that's about it I'm going to take a quick break and actually get into the other stuff alrighty so Geelong on the weekend was a bit of a shit show uh, really impressed with impressed impressed and frustrated in equal measure because we look at um, obviously the showdown the week before again we were absolutely smashed around the contest and all those things and pretty similar to the way the original showdown finished um, the original showdown, the one at the start of the year, the original one, 20 fucking, uh, six years ago, whatever it was, is not what I'm meaning, <laughs> um, but yeah, we, but we brought some effort and some real good, um, energy to the contest, and, and, and kind of, you know, really gave ourselves an opportunity to win down at Cadinia Park, which we all know is a pretty difficult thing to do, and we haven't done since 19, uh, 1997, 2007, struggling with my years right now, um, I was really impressed with their effort through the middle. Uh, I thought, you know, Rosie and Butters. I think Butters got the, I think Butters got the ten coaches' votes, so he got the perfect ten. Rosie ended up with six, and I reckon Horn Francis ended up with three, just off the top of my head. So you know, they all three of them got recognised for probably what was the best collective performance I think I've seen from the three of them yet. You know, Butters with thirty. I think Rosie had twenty six or twenty seven. Horn Francis had twenty plus as well, and. Um, and good handy possessions and real control through the midfield. Um, that goal that you know went Vicentini um, to Rosie was it, then to Butters, then to Bo- um, to then to Horn Francis, then to Boke. Just a real quick hand handball chain from the centre bounce, um, just after we'd scored a goal, and and then you know another goal straight off the back of that. Back of that. And it was nice to see. It's kind of fun seeing the young ruckman um, uh, who had a really promising game as well. I thought his. His tap work was decent. You know, he's gonna he's got to learn the craft against the best best of the best. But I thought he had a decent game in that respect. Not anything special, but um, but decent. Like I was, you know, he he wasn't and he wasn't a negative to our efforts to win. He was actually providing something, and he, and certainly his work um, at ground level, you know, below his knees after that, um, and getting I think he had six or seven clearances for the game as well um, himself. So you know, he was he was doing a bit. He was doing a bit of what was required, and kind of like and similarly when Jez's Jez is having a good run in the ruck, which we're going to need this week. Um, you know, he gets a bit of the ball out of the middle as well and, and can do a bit of both. So, you know, I was really excited about that. And that goal kind of was a real nice little, um, you know, nod to what the future can be. Finished off with um, our one of our greats of the club history, um, you know, finishing off the finishing off the goal. Uh so yeah, there was a, some real positive stuff in there from you know Butters is back to you know seems to have gotten through that little post buy blip that he was having, has really found some form. Rosie's just been really you know kind of vintage for all you know Rosie's just having a great year again. You know if he was borderline all Australian last year, he's a lock this year, and uh, same with Butters as well, and you know Houston I think as well as I mentioned earlier. Um, and there, yeah, like I said, I thought Horn Francis really found his. They found a groove with him, and and the three of them just really were propelling um, everything. Everything good that Porto they can do is coming through a lot of what they can do, and um, to have those guys, you know, you know, and they're what, the oldest ones, twenty three maybe, or maybe they're all, no one's older than twenty two. I know Fawn France is just twenty, and you know Rosie and Butters are twenty two and twenty three. One of them, I think, one of them is twenty three maybe now, but still so young, still. You know, when we think of where Boke and Wines and Robbie Gray were at 22, 23, we know how much better they got. So when you think of where they're at now, um, and it's scary to think about them getting better, but they just, 
stay at this level and, and, and really just iron out some of those little things. Um, but they're going to get better. That's the thing. It's just when you plant, you know, if you plant footy as long as you stay fit, um, touch wood, um, you know, you're going to be you're going to be getting better. So some real promising signs. Um, uh, uh, Willie Rioli, I was really impressed with um, down forward as well. He seems to have, he's got like his seems to have settled in a little bit. Um, obviously, he's had a interrupted year with um, and in the last year of his um, life with his um, father passing and. And all that stuff going on. He's had, there's been a suspension in there or, or two. Um, you know, little things going on. But, you know, he seems to be finding his role and um, had a really, you know, four goals and, and really lit it up in that first quarter in particular. Uh, but, yeah, that umpiring. I don't like to be that guy. And I know this is what everyone says when you when it comes to umpiring. You don't want to be that guy. But sometimes it just has to be said that it was shit. Um... That last quarter in particular, when you're having decisions that are, you know, and you just saw so many throughout the game as well, uh, where you saw something that was just very easily paid, and there were some that went to went to Cameron that you just I just don't see, you know, some marks um, paid where it was we you know it affected a spoil and it was essentially kind of like the mark to Farrell at the end of the Collingwood game. Well, it wasn't called a mark to Farrell, and some people have argued it wasn't. I just, I just know I've seen it paid, and in this game, I saw it paid to Cameron. I'm pretty sure, um, where you know it's kind of like not there. Um, they've barely held it. It's kind of there's been a spoil, but they pay it, and you know, just go well. You know, maybe that's. But you know, when you when you've seen recent history of yourself being screwed out of that, then you you get to gets a little bit up your goat. That's not the same game, but this one, especially the last quarter, when we see that it was one umpire, well, it was a 31 to 19. I think the free kick count in the end. Well, there's um, one umpire that paid 15 free kicks. To, just one of the 15... Half of their free kicks came from one umpire. They didn't pay one the other way. Like, it's just... You know, I don't I don't believe that there's any conspiracy that it was... And some people go, geez, check his book, check with his bookie or his betting accounts or whatever. Yeah, I don't get into any of that. I just think it's actually just that they're actually not professional enough to be able to call it both ways. And they've got, like, an idea in the head of what a team... What one team plays like versus another... And yeah, there's a part of that, like if, you know, but the unsociable Hawks still got the free kicks, <laughs> you know, you know, they were at their most unsociable and most rough, rough house and they were getting, there was still the free kick Hawthorne hashtag. So, you know, reputation doesn't really mean anything either. So I, I don't understand why Port are just constantly on the, you know, cause they're, and, and Adelaide as well, to be objective, I'll say that they've been screwed this year as well. It's the two SA teams have the... I have the worst. I think our 18th and 17th, respectively, with us last in free kick differential and free kicks against. And uh, you know, there's been questionable ones all year. And when it's a close game like this, at a time when we're, uh, you know, especially down at Cadinia Park, it's just I found it, uh, yeah, disheartening. And it's just as a fan watching, it's just like it takes you out of the game a little bit. Um, and that's what the umpires need to understand and the umpiring department, the AFL, whatever, you know, because there's so much focus on, oh, I respect the umpires, which last night, I guess the dissent rule that, uh, you know, we got screwed with last week um, doesn't apply to Collingwood, <laughs> who were like just screaming and, and remonstrating quite physically um, with that chairman, which as, you know, as they should, but then pay the dissent rule in. I don't, I don't know. It's, just, it's it's gotten more and more murky as we go on. And, and, and you know, the AFL just doesn't have any control of this issue really at the moment is my main thing. Like, there's 
you know, free kick counts to the point that Ken Hinckley's asking, want, wanting phone calls with the department just to, for clarification. And, you know, he had his little kind of snide, side mouth stuff he said in the post, post-match press conference where he kind of was saying, I can't say anything, but, you know, you, you saw the game, make your own conclusions, like basically saying, you write, you write what you want me to say because, you know, I can't say it without getting myself in trouble, but, you know, you saw it, write it. Um, and, yeah, it's just... You know, this league wants it to be... You know, there's there's always going to be a degree of difficulty in umpiring and refereeing and, and officiating in whatever sport around the world. You know, that's just part of sports. It's never going to be perfect. But when there's some mind-blowingly different, you know, stuff going both ways and, you know, because it just shouldn't work that way in a close game like that. Um, you know, particularly when both teams are playing and it's, you know, you know, and Geelong get away with a lot and we don't and all that stuff, you know. People listening are mostly, well, I assume are all Port fans, so then I'm not going to be getting any guff for that. But, you know, I was I was just, it took me out of it in the last quarter um, when I was watching the replay even because I, I didn't get to watch it live. Um, so I watched the replay and I knew it was coming and even then I was still just angered by it. And knowing it was coming, I'd have people tell me just, you know, that last quarter is going to, you know, and it still got me. So, um, yeah, it felt like... Uh, I don't like to say it too much because we did make our own mistakes. We did, you know, when we're kicking five points straight and all that kind of stuff. You know, you, you've got to we've got to work on our kicking. There's all those things. We could have won the game despite the umpires, but they, the umpires still had a significant impact on on us in that last quarter in a way that um, really just helped Geelong just settle the game rather than have to fight for it. Um, we should have at least had a shot, and I think they took that little shot away. And despite you know, because you know, bad kicking's bad footy, whatever. Um, we were still in the game. Um, we hadn't kicked ourselves out of it. Um, and the umpires just helped settle it rather than um, let it be a contest for the last part and let the, let the players decide. And that's what I hate, is just seeing that, really. And, um, you know, that's kind of what I took out of the game and that's not what you want to take out of a game. You know, you want to look at it and go, you know, we were beaten fair and square or we won fair and square or, you know, geez, tough one, could have gone either way, whatever. You know, you never want to be sitting there and um, seeing the memes afterwards, where you know Geelong's best players, and it's three the three guys in yellow or whatever the whatever the fuck they're wearing on the day. Um, it's not good for the game. Um, and it's not good for you know fans to because that, that's where that's where the remonstration over the fence and all that stuff comes from. Is fans get frustrated, and this is a highly impassioned game, and the AFL wants fans to be passionate. They want our passion at the games. That's what they sell the sport on. Um, every league sells the sport on passion. And part of that passion comes, and sometimes the, the passion can come negatively when things like this are, are not addressed. So, needs to be addressed, um, and needs just needs to be fucking better than that because that was pretty disgraceful, really. All right, so we saw it teased a few weeks ago um, in that what I think was probably an intentional leak from Bergman, um, but maybe not. I don't know because uh, he deleted that story pretty quickly. But we did see we did see the Tribolt Guernsey a couple of weeks ago. Um, in that Miles Bergman Instagram story that was screenshotted and shared of Elia and the Guernsey and, and certainly that was in the lead up to the showdown I think and we had it confirmed this week with the Port Adelaide drop of the Guernsey uh, it's really cool to see you know we had some really fucking great um, Guernseys in our early years in the AFL um, and despite what all the weird trolls on the internet say and oh that's your true heritage it's just part of our heritage you know history's you know history's a, a a rich canvas of different things going on, different colours and 
you know, what I'll say to anyone that says that you can only have, you know, it's, it's just weird that people just decide that you that's your heritage and all that stuff isn't, but whatever. Not going to get into that. We have some really fun Guernseys from our early AFL era. Um, those Nike ones, which I've got a, decent, a little collection of them back in Australia. I absolutely love. Um, I do have a Nike version of this Tribolt one. I can't remember if it's... I think it's possibly the 2003 retail one. Or, um, I don't know. It's got the stitched... Uh, Stitch Nike swoosh and it's very tightly cut, so it might be a player cut one. It's very t- doesn't fit me at all anymore. I know a couple of years ago I put it on, it was quite tight, but you know I've had a few more beers since then, and not much different, but you know just a little bit more swollen around the belly, and uh, definitely doesn't fit anymore. So I was glad to be able to. It's fun to be able to um, add an updated version of it uh, with the macron and, and all that stuff. Uh, and have one that fits. Uh, I assume it fits. I, I got it um, thanks to Dave on Twitter uh, for helping me out and getting it. And I had a few offers. Um, Sam as well, shout out. Um, there was a few offers of people that were heading down the store and were going were gonna to have a crack for me if, if need be. Luckily, I got the message pretty early on in the day that um, whoever went down to the store um, on Dave's behalf... Uh, was able to snag me one as, along with a hat as well. Um, I thought about getting the jacket, but I've got a few. Again, I've got a few of the old original Nike jackets, and um, I just I just don't need that many. Um, I, I like the jacket, but I was just like, no, I just grab the Guernsey. I don't have don't I have a couple of old port hats that are very old and and beaten up and quite delicate. So I was like, a good retro hat will be nice as well to have, like a new one that can be worn. Uh, but beyond that, I just couldn't I couldn't go the distance with the jacket because I was just like, it's just overkill with the, the jackets I do have. And still, I've worn a few of them to games and even up until last year. Um, they're, they're still holding together pretty well. So couldn't go down that road, but a really fun release from Port. The, the social media stuff's been fun. I, I, I was like screen, I was pausing on like what PlayStation games were sitting on top of the PS2 there, um, seeing what VHSs they had on the, on the you know, on the stand there. Um, reminiscing about because I've still got a collection of the old Power to the People magazines back in Australia as well, and obviously I'm a card collector as well. I don't think I've talked. You know, some people have noticed I'm a card collector anyway. I should start sharing a few pictures of the port cards I have on Instagram and stuff, just for fun. Um, but yeah, it was it's just a really fun release. Uh, I've the design is I think some people have commented about the the top of the white tribolt being quite thick, uh, which it does look a bit thick, and but you know, it's a retro Guernsey. It's not going to be an exact copy, I don't think. Um, I, overall, it looks great. The The release itself has been done greatly. Um, like I said, the social media and all that stuff. Love the video of the players looking at it. Um, you know, especially the ones that really put, you know, you know, Boke seemed really stoked about it. It was like, you know, this reminds me of Brogan and, um, you know, Rosie talking about seeing players running around it back in the day and how excited he was and, um, you know, butters as well. So it'll be fun. Um, I remember the last time we did something like this, I think it was probably 2017, um, in that opening round of the season when we wore the 1997 away, um, which was Charlie Dixon's first game for the club, I'm pretty sure. Um, so I remember that's one of my first memories of Dixon is just wearing that Guernsey. Um, and yeah, it'll be fun to see him running around it this week. Hopefully a win in the Guernsey as well, as we won in the nineteen the, in the 97th throwback in 2017 against St Kilda. Um, it'd be nice to have the win in it to really, you know, solidify the the good vibes of the week, despite everything else that's been going on. Um, and yeah, I, I, I saw some people on Twitter as well, on Instagram, whatever, the comments. 
talking about, oh, it'd be nice to see the 2004 Grand Final one come back instead. I was just thought, you know, if this retro thing is going to be a thing and clubs are going to do something similar every year, uh, then, well, next year is our 20-year anniversary of the 2004 Grand Final, obviously, and I would expect if we're doing a retro one next year, then you, you're probably going to be locking in on that one. Or the dark horse for that would be would be the Lightning Lightning Bolt Guernsey as well, which I have I have a couple of copies of that one as well. Got a long sleeve player issue, got a short sleeve player issue, and I think I've got a short sleeve retail, which I actually uh, I, I got at the time. I was wearing it the, 9th, the 2004 uh, prelim, so that one's my luck, uh, one of my lucky Guernseys that's still in the collection. Um, so yeah, there's there's some good good. Uh, good throwbacks in our past. Even I have a soft spot for the 2007 away. It's really kind of plain Jane in many respects to some of them. And then, then there's obviously the old Mating Dolphins one um, from uh, 2000, 2009, 10 era. Um, Tom Logan took that mark of the year specky over what, Luke Hodge and Treadray, I think. Um, another trading card I have that one. So. You know, some fun Guernseys in our past, and obviously they could, you know, they can throw back to, they can still do the retros of the old, you know, other Port Magpies ones, just beyond the uh, the prison bar issue. There's lots of, there's Guernseys in history. We've got a rich tapestry of um, some interesting kits. Um, and, it's, and we never got to see uh, the um, the light, the, the kind of aqua blue and white hoops um, was one of the throwbacks we were meant to wear in 2020. I think that was going to be worn against Brisbane in that year before COVID hit and changed the fixture and all that. We were going to wear that one as well and never got worn. So, you know, over the next few years, if the retro thing is going to be a thing, um, you know, prison bars aside and, and the other special rounds, because I think there's a limit to how many different Guernseys you can have in a year possibly, but, you know, I think it's six or seven possibly. I, I think I read that on Twitter somewhere. Someone can correct me because I'm probably wrong. Um, but, you know, there's a real, you know, real... Uh, variety of kits that we can go with and you know you can roll it back to different ones at times and do different things and and yeah i'm just excited to see um the guernsey on the field i'm a big kit guy i love collecting um jerseys and guernseys i've got a far too large a collection of different nba kits that i've collected from traveling and and so- soccer as well um i need to actually probably downsize on some of them because i need to just kind of focus it and probably stopped buying too many at the moment but Port Adelaide's still the one I, I grab every new release really so I'm really excited to get my hands on this one eventually my family back in Australia has got just a large collection of shit being delivered to the house over the last six months when I think when we uh, did the prison bars obviously grabbed that one indigenous kit that one got turned up now this one's going to be turning up again cheers Dave uh, so <laughs> You know, I'm gonna, lo- I'm gonna eventually gonna wrestle them up to send send a box over here. Unless you know, I get, I get back. I'm hoping to get it back early next year um, for possibly gather round, um, and then maybe I'll just be coming back with a large suitcase full of port stuff. <laughs> but yeah, really excited to see the kit on the field. Um, something to get excited about. You know, it's the ins and outs of the week to week football stuff that we get get um, mad about, get frustrated about, get excited, get all all the range of emotions that happen with the game game day stuff you know that's a part of being a fan and and always will be but you know it's just fun to you know, just get excited about this stuff as well and, and enjoy it um is always what i recommend to do because you know we otherwise it's just going to be you know you don't win you know you're rarely ever going to win every year um premierships and stuff so if you don't get excited about the little things like this and you're going to have a pretty um unfortunately uh, 
frustrating existence as a fan. So, you know, get excited, have some fun with it, enjoy the videos and, and the content, and um, hopefully enjoy a win in the Guernsey this weekend as well, which I'll talk about now. All right, does anyone else know what to make of what the fuck's going on this season with their injuries just randomly popping up all of a sudden? I don't know anymore either. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, earlier this week, I mean, thankfully, I hope that we're not going to get the last, like late, late withdrawals with illness again. But, you know, earlier this week, it was like a fucking 50 million players out with illness again. Uh, and obviously, last night, we found out, I think it was Kimbo on the Rooch was the first thing that I even saw anything about it on, was that we uh, uh, Vicentini is out of the match, unfortunately, with a quad strain, I believe it was. Uh, which is really disappointing, as I said, he was one of the more impressive parts uh, of the Geelong game. Just to see a young guy coming in, and I know there's some there's been some pretty strong touts in him as a player and his future possibilities as well. Which is, and, and you know, he's he's done nothing to dissuade that notion that he could be a um, a good little part of the future. But geez, we need a ruckman. <laughs> now, Lysett had you know started started pretty poorly was out for a bit, came back in, and actually looked all right for a while and then gets injured. You know, Sam Hayes just hasn't quite taken it. And Bryn Teagle's just just raw and not quite... You know, you just need an AFL level ruckman um, or someone that looks like they could get there. You know, youth... You know, the Vicentini's uh, stamina and youthful energy and, you know, made up for some of those little uh, pieces of, um, you know, inexperience, I guess, from last, you know, last weekend. You know, there's times when... You know, he just—he—he he was just part of the contest right to the end, and and that's, uh, you know, something we've been missing at times with Lysett. You know, he, he just runs out of gas, and and he obviously hasn't been fit. But he did have that little period where he was, he had, you know, it looked like a bit of the Lysett of old. But then he, you know, just taper off towards the end of matches, and it's just now, now we're looking at this week, and you know, we look at our side, and we're going in without a recognised ruckman. Obviously, um, I think Sam Hayes has been named to the emergencies, uh, but. You know, Elia and Bergman and Farrell and Finlayson and Jones uh, are back in, uh, which is good. It's a lot of good ins. Um, obviously, Elia and Lockie Jones coming back in is um, big after, you know, Elia's going to be big for that back line, particularly with the um, Trent McKenzie out for, not the season, a few, like, what, four to five or five to six weeks. So I guess they're looking at if they go deep into the finals and McKenzie's knee does come up all right, then he might be able to come back into the side. So they haven't ruled him out for the season yet, which is, you know, I guess a small positive. <laughs> you know, he's out for. He's not going to be a factor for the next few weeks, at least, anyway. And in our run to where we, in our run for positioning for the finals, anyway. Um, but yeah, Vicentini out is just, just, just. When I saw that, I just thought, for fuck's sake! Like we can't. We we name an extended squad, you know, and you think, all right, at that point of the week, you know. You're hoping that nothing pops up, and maybe some of those players that you know are carrying niggles. Maybe that something pops up there, but the fact that it just comes out like I was just wasn't. I was thought, you know, he's got through the game, he's going to be good. But training niggles and whatever, it's uh, it's a little bit frustrating. And um, to be going in without a uh, recognised Bruckman, um, yeah, quad tightness is training is what they've they've named it um, with Vicentini. So, oh boy, it, it's. It's one of those things where I can't get a read on our side and where we're at, and it's what makes what I was talking about at the start with the the Ken Hinkley stuff a little bit murky. Is less like what what is our best side at the moment, and you know what what are we meant to take out of every match when we're having such calamitous issues? You know, obviously the showdown with losing, you know, the big concussion thing, and obviously some injuries going into that game, and even, even Carlton. You know, we we changed up the side a lot, and some people are saying we we erred 
in um, doing too much resting. But there was there was players that were carrying things, and and I don't think we actually rested too much at that point. It was just we took a chance, and you know, because that's the thing. Now people are saying, oh, we mismanaged players when at the time they criticised us for resting then um, players that were carrying things. So I, you know, sometimes people argue themselves in circles, but. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of every performance over the last month because, well, you know, the Crows one and the Carlton one, they were, they were pretty poor, um, uncompetitive performances. But, you know, we come out and have a pretty good showing against Collingwood, um, who, while they've been shaky, they're still a good team and they had a good win last night. Um, and then, you know, a good showing against uh, against Geelong down at Cadinia Park despite all the outs and the, and, the, and the very late changes to that side as well. So I think, you know, and it's not like... Um, I think they've got the GWS have got a couple of players out uh, under suspension, I believe, and they've got a, um, a debutant in Toby McMullen, who um, reasonably well touted um, young player, I think. Seemed a bit find yeah, a, he, they seemed to find him quite promising. Um, so you know him and Josh Fahey are into the side. So Toby Bedford and Brett, Brett Daniels out with their. Uh, Respective suspensions. Um, you know, this is GWS side that's fighting for finals position. They've had a pretty good last month and a half. Um, I think they're actually a pretty. They've got a pretty good team. Um, Adam Kingsley, you know, who we all love, obviously at Port, um, has seems to be building a culture there. The fact that they were able to get um, Harry Himmelberg to sign on long term, who was looking like. I mean, I think you know, I think Crows fans were into into the idea of him coming back down to the Crows. Um, Sam Taylor's having a really good year. He's a really great defender and um, one that I um, think is, you know, he's probably just underrated because he's at GWS, really. Um, but, you know, there's a strong side across the board and um, and with the football they've been playing and the kind of culture they're building there under the new coach. And, you know, Canelio's um, probably quietened some doubters again over the, across the course of the year, I think, just based on my cursory knowledge of how they've been going and obviously I don't watch GWS or keep t- too much of an eye on them being that they're not my team but um, yeah Toby Green's just one of the most electric players in the league and can turn a game pretty quickly on his own if he gets just if he gets some delivery in there that he can he can work with um, so yeah I do have some you know we're playing at home I think this is again this is what I'm trying to say about what do I, what what how do I read our team because over the last four weeks, we've had shit performance against Colton, valiant performance against Collingwood, shit embarrassing performance against the Crows, valiant, could have won, can blame umpires if we want, whatever, against Geelong down at Cadinia Park. So we've had two good performances against good good teams and two bad performances against good average to good teams. You know, it depends where you want to rate the Crows, but I think the Crows on their day, they're a pretty good team. Um, they possibly should be finals bound if not for and they might still be but you know they've probably dropped a few games that they shouldn't have um to that is still a question at the moment um so i don't know how to read how we can go against this team because i do obviously the alir and mckenzie uh partnership has been quite crucial through that um that 13 game winning streak obviously the injuries are biting there we assume alir is fine Concussion stuff aside, he's not he's not coming back in off of a you know a, a major leg injury or anything like that. He's just coming back in from concussion protocol, so we assume he'll be fine down there. I think Lockie Jones has been pretty good down in defense as well. Um, he might have to take over a little bit more from you know help out a little bit more on those McKenzie style roles, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, it, I worry. You know, Jonas unfortunately just doesn't seem to be at the pace of the 
of AFL football at the moment. Um, so he's unfortunately a bit of a liability down there. I hope that we can find some um, just really... We play at our best when we're on the front foot through the middle and not allowing the easy easy ball into the, our defensive 50, and that's what we're going to need to do here. We're going to need to see, um, you know, in the tri-bolts, looking, looking in their classic retro kit, we're going to need to see Rosie. And, you know, Rosie and Butters and, and Horn Francis putting that performance on down at the Cattery was really impressive, and we're going to need to see that again um, this week. Um, for us to have any hope. But obviously, it's a stronger lineup than we had last week. Obviously, Finlayson coming back in, he's going to be playing the ruck, but I assume there's going to be a bit of a pinch hit kind of thing going on um, with him. You know, I know SPP played a little bit of ruck last year. Uh, I assume Alir might... But, you know, Alir into the ruck takes a bit out of your defense as well. I assume it might be ruck by committee based on where the, where the ball is um, on the field. Um... God, I wonder if there is some worries about who, you know, whether Hayes might come into the side still, you know, as the emergency. I don't know. I just, I just can't. The the ruck thing's got me flummoxed at the moment about how we're going to line up across the field and and what we might do. I know Ollie Lord's just tall, so he can probably just take some. He, it's going to be ruck by committee is where I'm sitting at, and so we're going to have to battle around the contest. Obviously, you know, we've had a lot of games this year where we've been lost the hit out battle handily and still been fine as far as and and managed to kind of close the gap on clearances so it's going to be more of the same on that front and just really the contest is going to be crucial forward half pressure which has been at the a keystone to our, our best wins often been when we're getting 15 tackles inside the forward 50 to you know five or and you know the forward 50 marks we're getting the ball into um to marking opportunities it's all that stuff um I think gws are an overpower kind of team at the moment where they're just going to kick a rain, rain goals down on us so he's going to have to hold up on the defensive end. Um, you know, the, the defensive players we've got down there are still... It's a pretty handy defense maybe a couple of years ago. It's just, you know, the Tom Jonas question about where he's at for this game. And but yeah, Finlayson back in to help. Um, there's a lot of players back in that we didn't even have in the showdown or um, or last week, you know, when Willie... You know, it's a, it's a decently strong lineup again, but we are missing some crucial... We're still missing some players. And... Uh, and we're really just missing the cohesiveness when the, these players keep coming in and out. Um, and that's what worries me. But I'll put down and say that I think we win by four to five goals uh, is what I hope based on based on the best that all these kind of players can produce, I think is better than, you know, what, you know, the, the decent side that GWS, GWS have been. We're just going to need to see Marshall probably strengthen a little bit in the forward line, which maybe, you know, Dixon being out for a long term, they've, Maybe structured up a bit differently now, and Marshall can take a bit more of a forward role. Ollie Lord, I think, is marking, and a lot of his around around the ground, around the forward half stuff has been really, really good. He just needs to um, work on his kicking a bit, which hopefully that just comes. But he certainly provides a presence down there, and is going to be need to be watched by the um, GWS defense, which makes obviously hopefully opens up things for the rest down there. So um, I'm going to hope for a four to five goal win, but I really, as you can probably tell from how I'm talking, I I am quite um, perplexed and flabbergasted by just the issues we've been having um, in trying to find and trying to have a stable team going week to week at the moment. It's just, uh, you know, considering our, our form's been quite Jekyll and Hyde um, over the last four weeks as well, uh, it's it's just hard to find a read on it. So um, while I'm quietly half confident we can get the result done, and I think we will, 
Um, I'm certainly by no means writing GWS off, and it's going to take... We're going to have to be on the ball this weekend. Um, you know, we can't, can't afford a game and an effort like we had in much of that Carlton game and much of the showdown as well. If we bring that kind of effort effort and expect it to come to us as we look to have been in the... We've fallen back to at times over the past month and a half, then that's where we'll get in trouble. But if we take the game on um, and try to try to have one of those backs-against-the-wall kind of performances like we did last weekend, um, you know, I think we can... You know, I think it's all there for... It's all there in front of us still. Um, it's just dependent on both how we approach the game mentally and obviously um, hopefully the cohesiveness sticks and um, I was I was quite promising I, I was you know given quite a lot of promise by by the showing of Rosie and Butters and, and Horn Francis last week and, and certainly um, if those guys can bring a similar level of performances and then kind of carry a lot of the other guys through then I think we'll be okay but I'm certainly uh, nervous about it as well as you can probably tell, as I talk myself around in circles towards the end of this podcast. That's about it for me for this week. Um, yeah, hopefully I'll be back a little bit. I know I've just been doing the Friday Friday California time podcast every week, probably for the last month and a half, um, dealing, you know, working on a few other things simultaneously, and it's just where the timing has fallen. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening as always, and a very trepidatious but quietly, nervously somewhat confident, whatever that means, can the pair.